for you. And, and sometimes you need people around you to say, hey, look, I think God said this to me. Here, take a look at that. Does that, does that sound like God? See, that helps us with the community, but the Bible also says there is safety in the multitude of counsel. And sometimes we think God is talking to us and he's not talking to us. I don't know if I ever told you the story. Pam and I were asleep when, when we woke up in the morning and somebody had gotten a hold of my phone number. And the person knew me from years ago, got a hold of my phone number. This is where we were living in Philadelphia years ago. And it was a Sunday morning and she woke up, I, I, the phone rang. And I leaned over and, and got the phone and I said, hello. And the person said, hello. She says, hi, it's so-and-so. And I just want you to know I had a dream. And God told me to tell you something. And I'm like, oh, wow, early in the morning, early. He says, yeah, God told me that you were supposed to be my husband. I said, hold on for a minute. Here, honey. Somebody wants to, somebody wants to talk to you. Because everything that we hear as a download isn't from God. And spiritual wickedness has access to our thoughts, to our emotions, which is why we always have to pause and say, God, I want to be with you. I want you to remind me of who you are. I want you to remind me of your love. Because sometimes those thoughts can be, um, and I'll talk about it in a second, condemning, depression, self-abasement. We can beat ourselves up. Bitterness. Anger, jealousy. So we have to constantly pause and say, Lord, remind me again of who you are. When I start my journaling time off with God, and my journaling time is just me sitting down with my notepad or my phone or whatever, and I'm like, Lord, I just want to quiet myself in your presence. And so I'll, I'll try, I'll try, you know, not as a religion or anything, but just as a, as a habit of trying to get in the right space, I'll, I'll use my breathing in and out. And I'll just breathe out anything and everything that I may be feeling or going through that's off. It might be stress, it might be anxiety, and I'll just, and I'll say out loud, you know, Holy Spirit help me as, as I try and just get rid of anything that may have gotten on me. I was dusting the other day and, and I was dusting the furniture and I thought, you know, I just did this a week and a half ago. There's all this dust. I have to do that even with my wiring because thoughts can come, feelings can come, urges can come, attitudes can come, moods can come. You ever get around somebody, they're in a bad mood? Has anybody, has anybody ever gotten around you and you were in a bad mood? That's the real question, right? So I'll breathe out and then I'll say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with the life of God. Fill me with his love. And I'll just take a deep breath because I, I want all of me. What did, what did David say? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. That's what I want to be filled with. I don't want to be filled with anxiety and anger and bitterness and shame and lust and greed and pride and hopelessness. I don't want to be filled with that. I want to walk around as a carrier of the grace of God. So I use my pause moments to just breathe him in. And then when I start talking to him, I start saying things like, Lord, do you love me? And, and I'm fishing. I'm not, I'm not, um, 
I'm not confused in it. But I know at the beginning of my time with him, I need to flow sort of like my time with Pam or, or my time with Dino. You know, I'll talk to Dino on the phone or I'll talk to Craig. Oh, man, I love you so much. It's a reminder of how the other person feels. And I'll say, God, do you love me? And then I'll quiet myself. And then those spontaneous thoughts and pictures just begin to come. And I've learned how to tune in to his, to his thoughts. Because I could hear thoughts from, oh, you know what you did two years ago. Or you know what you said. Oh, God's not, mm, 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 God don't love you. And I got to learn how to starve those. And then feed on and locate. Because I know his personality. And I'll hear things like, son, you know I love you. Oh, I want to write that down. Thank you, Father. And so I write it down. See, I had to learn that I am a love son born of a love father. Not that I am this slave and God is this hard taskmaster. No. There's this one passage of scripture. It says, it says um, if any of you had a child and he asked you for a piece of fish, a piece of fish. Would you, would you give him a snake? Or if he asked you for a piece of bread, would you, would you give him a rock? And my mind just right away goes to Ryan, Andrew, Jordan, Emily, Amanda, Melody, little Aria, who has just turned four months. And she gets to the point where she says, Pop up, can I have a piece of your fish and I find a snake? Say here. He said, if you being just human know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? You guys know how much more is? You know how much that is? How much more is? Come on, you know. Much more. If this is more, we're talking about much more. He says, how much? Much more will your heavenly Father give his Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So I had to learn that God is good. It is good. What's that? You know, you guys follow me with this. Follow me with this. There's a song that came out a few years ago, and it says, He's a good, good Father. That's who you are. That's who you are. All right, let me think about this. That's who you are. And then there's the other part. And I am loved by you. Yeah, yeah. That's who I am. That's, that's who I am. That's who I am. He's a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. Now remember, you got to give him your thoughts now. That's who you are. And I, me, I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I am loved by you. That's who I am. And then what does it look like? You are perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. You're perfect in all of your ways. To us. 
this is how you get alone and be. And we tried to learn that this month, how to be with him. How to be with him. And I, and I pray that this continues. We want this to go on for the next 21 days. We want it to be a lifestyle. We don't want it to be, you know, in September, we look back and say, oh, yeah, remember in January we did that fast? What was that? Yeah, what, what, what are we doing? Learn how to, uh, uh, reminds me of he. Yeah, be, be with God. No, we want it to be in February. Learn how to be with him. Because if you can learn how to be with God and stay in tune to him, then like Pam was saying earlier, when God wants to send you to the broken, people who have been wounded, people who are experiencing depression, people who need resources, people who need to hear the voice of a loving father, you who have been with him can now speak for him. That's how it works. That's what Jesus was showing us when, she, when he met this woman at this well and she was already going through it and she was outcast because the decisions that she made and she had five husbands and she was living with the six. And you do the math and you just think how crazy that is and how, how challenged she must be emotionally and all the time she's giving herself away trying to find love over and over and over and here she is at this well and Jesus gets his whole schedule broken up by a father who wants to reach her and they have this encounter and at the end of the counter the very water pail she had to get what she thought would fill her up she left that because Jesus had filled her with the love and life of God and it was Jesus and people say well I'm not Jesus yes you're his ambassador you've received his love he told you he loves you. When I get alone and I say, Lord, how do you feel about me? He says, Terry, I love you. You're my son. I'm writing all of this down as these, as these images and these thoughts are coming, these pictures. And it's not just for me. Oh, that's Terry, that's just you. No. I am, I am nobody special in that. God's love loved me. And I'm learning how to love him all the time. And his love wants to love you. And he wants to show you that all the time. But more importantly, he wants to flow through you. Has anybody in here experienced over these last few weeks the love of God? Just raise your hand if you have. Yeah, yeah, you've experienced it. See, that's who you are. You are loved by him, but it doesn't stop there. You go on. Now for the next couple of minutes, just a couple. Yep, I've got nine minutes. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to I want to share something with you. And because this gets lost when we talk so much about God is so loving, he is so one, and he is, and he is, he is. But we can't get away from the fact that he is holy. God's holy. And holy isn't a bad word. There's some bad four-letter words. Holy is not one of them. Pray is not one of them. These are good words. He's holy. 
Don't get scared when you think of the holiness of God and you begin to think all the bad things that I've done. No, when we talk about being with God and being in stillness with him and hearing his voice, hearing his opinion, we're also hearing his nature and get close to him. I want to I read something to you. Look at this. This is in um, uh, Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. And I'm going to read to you verses um, 8 to 10. I might just do 8 and 9. We'll start off with that. Look at this. Look at this. It says, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Look at the next verse. It says, and look at this. It says, the unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, no, nor shall any ravenous beast go upon it. It shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And now I'm going to ask you something. That road, holiness, it's a good road. It's the road where God is. It's a holy road. It's a holy road. What does it mean to be holy? It means to be, it means to be separated from the world and set apart unto God. I'm, I'm holy. I'm separated from the world's system, where their, their way of doing things. You know, the Holy Spirit told one of the writers, I think it was um, John, he says, love not the world, nor the things that are in the world, um, if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So what is, what is in the world? He gets real descriptive. He says, uh, the, the world is made up of th three things, their, their mindset, their culture, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of this culture here. And he says, he says, for you, he says, make sure you love God. So in this holy thing, this, uh, another word um, is sanctified or sanctification. That means I'm separated. And we, we need to hear this. Our kids need to hear this. Remember, we, we have to make sure that our minds are given to him, our emotions are given to him. And that's not just going to happen you know, uh, you know, just like, a, you know, through osmosis, just being around, oh, yeah, it just happens. No, 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 no. You have to intentionally, here's a, here's a number one point. Here's a first point, good point. You have to choose to be holy. Choose to be separated from that ideology, from the world, from the world system. The Bible calls the devil the god of this world. It's a little g. It's a little g. He's not all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing God. You know, the devil had to walk. He's, he's got to walk. He's not this, I can be everywhere at the same time. No, that's God. And sometimes people think, it's like, okay, there's, there's God and there's the devil. Do you know the devil is nowhere near on the same level as God? In fact, the Bible says, in that end day, when we see him for who he is, we're going to say, is this the one? 
that deceived the nations. And so don't buy into that notion because he's the God of this world and because he's a, he's a genius. He is a genius, but he's an evil genius that he's on par with God. He is not on par with God. Say this after me. There is no God like our God. There's no God like our God. But it says the God of this world has, the little g, has blinded the minds of those. They can't see. That's why when people either in my family or in my community, and when, when situations come up and they're thinking wrong, doing wrong, being wrong, I'm not getting upset with them. Why? The God of this world has blinded them. I see them as blindfolded, handcuffed, their feet are strapped, they're gagged. And they need the love of the Father to come and rescue them. You say, oh, they're doing crazy stuff. Mm, I'm staying away from them. No, no, no. I'm trying to get next to them. I'm trying to get close. Now, not for the purpose of which is why it's important for us to be with God and be reminded that he's holy, not for the purpose of allowing things to jump on me. If I've had a problem with, you know, addictions or certain things, and I know this person, you know, they struggle with certain things, and every time I get around them, I fall, I find myself falling into that. Well, I got to make sure I put walls up, I put barriers up, I put guards up if I'm going to get around them. If I want to be near them, I got to have that. But I do need to be near them. So I spend time with God. So if he leads me to somebody who's blind and captive and bruised and brokenhearted and lame and they can't see, I'm in a place where I'm okay. I don't want to be that person that says, because you have leprosy, I can't get around you. Jesus got close to the lepers, knowing that there was enough life and life of God in me that it wouldn't change him. We have to get like that, especially for our families. Oh, please, love your families. Put your hand on your chest. Say, Father, help me to see the captivity of those in my family and love them with your love in Jesus' name. That's how we do that. But in our effort to love people, in our effort to receive love from the Father, we do not negate the fact. We don't discount the fact. We don't set aside the fact that he is holy. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, be holy for I'm holy. Be holy. So he, he starts off, 1 Peter 1, I think it's 13. Why don't you guys put that up real, real quick. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. He says, therefore, look at this, look at this now, look at this, look at this. This is, this is beautiful, this is beautiful. He says, gird up the loins of your mind. When I saw this for really what it was years ago, I realized, oh, he's talking about putting a girdle around my mind. Well, what's my mind? Those are thoughts. So you put a girdle in place to keep things from jiggling and shaking and you know you put a girdle so you know it's like I want to I want to think right what does he say he said gird up the loins of your mind be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace to be bought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ 
He says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to your former lust, as in your ignorance, when you didn't know, you're just following the course of this world. Remember, don't get mad at society because society is doing certain things. We get mad at society. It's almost like Jonah going to Nineveh. No, I'm not going there. And God's like, I love them. I need them rescued. And we're very quick to call our world Sodom and Gomorrah. But we need to start seeing them like Nineveh. Those that are lost, those that are blind, those that are captive. And God wants to set them free. But he says, as he has called you as holy, be you holy also in all of your conduct. So when you talk about, because it's written, be holy for I am holy. So when we talk about being with God, you got to talk about being with the holy God. I said, well, pastor, I got these I got things that I struggle with. I got things that, are, you know, I got these, these urges. I got these emotions. I got this past. I got, and I know you want me to be with you. But I feel like when I get next to you, all I feel is condemnation. All I feel is hopelessness. Put up, uh, put up the, uh, the, the I, do I put, you have points up there for me? You have points? Yeah, put up the first point for me. Put up the first point. The first point is, God is holy. He is separated from all that is often wrong, and he's set apart to himself. Look what point number two says. You must choose to be with a holy God. So we, we, we love being with a loving God, but what about being with a holy, loving God? A loving God holy God, a God who loves, but who is also holy. Do you know that's how I, that's how I live with my wife? It is with the, the, the idea, the, the, the recognition that God is loving, God is loving, and I want to love her, but God is also holy. So if something happens between us, a disagreement, something comes up, now I got to remember, oh, God is holy, I'm holy, so I want to make sure that if I need to forgive, I'll be quick to forgive. If I need to ask for forgiveness, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. If I need to be patient and tender and kind, I need to make sure. If I need to be building, if I need to wash her feet. And wash her feet isn't just a ritual you go through. Wash your feet is the servant's approach and says, hey, look, I want to serve you. And I don't want anything to make you feel insignificant, so I want to serve you. This isn't just husband and wife. This is also brother and sister, parent and child, whatever relationship it is. And I bring that kind of holiness in so I don't walk around the house with a bad mood. See, this is where we really start being with Jesus. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be with Jesus in the morning and experience the pause. Oh, Lord, thank you. You are so good. You're so wonderful. And, Lord, you're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. Man, this is so good. I need that. I need that. And I come out of my time with God, and then I go into the kitchen with Pam and say, Hi, how are you doing? She says, you know, I really didn't like that thing that you did the other day. What? See, if I'm going to be with him, the holy nature of God has also got to come. Holy, forgiving, kind, tender. But it's also as it relates to, you know, our devices, things like pornography. God's holy. 
The reason it's not good to lust after a woman or a man that society is following the course of this world and highlighted by lust, the reason I don't look at that isn't because, oh, it's just bad, it's just bad. No, it's because God loves that person and God does not want me now, whether I'm a man or a woman, to get now bound up. See, God's not against sexuality or any of those kinds of things. God's against, God's against uh, uh, captivity. And you find out people who are in pornography and all kinds, not just pornography. It can be anything. He says, don't you know, this is in the book of Romans. You ever get a chance? I remember when I was in my, in my late teens, in my early 20s, I started reading the book of Romans. Romans chapter 5 and chapter 6. Chapter 5 talks about the grace of God. And it's like all you have to do is believe. you got a grace. And so anything, know that you have received this grace. And so chapter 6 starts off, well, shall we continue in sin so that we can get more grace? And Paul quickly responds, say, God forbid. And then he says like this, he says, don't you know whoever gives up his members or his body, the organs and all that, as servants to obey, his servant you are to whoever you obey, whether of sin unto death, not just physical death, but death. I'm, I'm locked into this death thing. Or, or righteousness unto God. What is he saying? He's saying, whenever I decide to give myself to whatever urge, whatever temptation, I, all, I become a slave to that. And God says, son, daughter, I don't want you to be a slave. I love you. I don't want you to be captive to that. I want you to walk in authority and confidence, freedom. Here's the deal. Suppose you get to that place where you have done that kind of stuff. What's God's response? Pull up for me uh, John 3 in the uh, Message Bible. John 3, verse 16 and 17. I'm going to read this, and then we're going to, right, right, I'm going to pass my time. All right, we got to stop. All right, this is, look at that. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. You know, do me a favor. Let's read that together. Uh, back to 16. On three. One, two, three. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Now look at verse 17. Let's go together. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. So we say, okay, you know, God, being with him, right? God, I, I, I said something. I did something. I was off. You know, I'm not in alignment, and I know you're holy. Um, and you said I can come to you, so I'm, I'm coming to you. Will you tell me how you feel about me? Because I want, I want this. And, and look, it's good to write that down. But then wait for his response. That's why you need to be around people who know what God sounds like. And for some who are still listening to the voice of the enemy, this is what comes back. That's why I don't love you. That's why I'm not for you. 
If you would have done what I told you, you would have received my love. And what does that lead to? Hopelessness. Because now you have the only help saying, get away from me. But he says, I did not send my son just to wave a finger saying, you did that wrong, you did that wrong, you did that wrong. Look at that, look at that, look at that. No, he says he came to make things right. So put up, put up my, um, what point is that? I think it might be the, the third point. Put up the third point for me, Ash. Look at the third point. This is a beautiful point. Look at this. When it comes to you missing it, you're being with God. Pastor, how do I be with God when I sinned, when I missed it? Look at this. Conviction equals convincing with hope. And God comes with the Holy Spirit. He will convict you. If you said something wrong, if you did something wrong on any level, whether you're talking about overt sins like adultery and fornication or whether you're talking about things like pride or jealousy or whether you're talking about those other little nephews and nieces of bitterness and, and jealousy and anger and or, you know, offense or whether you're talking about those uncles of slander, gossip. Holy Spirit will come and say, hey, that's not me. Remember the still, small voice. He's not going to do a lightning strike. Oh, that was God. Ooh, I better get myself right. No, no, no. He's going to come and he's going to show you. That's why it's so good to learn how to hear the inner witness. Learn how to tune in because he'll tell you, daughter, I haven't called you to that. That thing you said was wrong. It's wrong. Pam and I have gotten in an argument over the years, and then I'm downstairs watching ESPN. And the Holy Spirit starts talking, Terry, go up and apologize. Terry, go and set her free. I remember one morning she was, she was praying and we had a, we had a disagreement. And, and I, I, we have these, these sort of pocket doors in between our bedroom. And, and, and I had opened up the pocket door and I saw that she was praying. And I closed the pocket doors. And now I'm, I'm praying. And he says, go help her meet me. I'll fix that thing. So I went in and said, you know what, I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, such and such, I'm sorry, such and such. And she's like, thank you, oh, I needed that. And then she's like, you know what, I'm sorry. Because see, when you're doing one-on-one, whether it's husband, wife, parent, child, don't eat the whole apple. No, eat a little bit of the apple and then take seeds out and plant. So have something to, to, to grow in it. Sometimes you just take all the forgiveness. Yep, thank you, thank you. You know you was wrong, thank you. You know it, No. You'll be able to give something back. Thank you. It really made me feel so good that you apologized. And you know what? I want to apologize for whatever I did in that. See, now you got flow. Now Holy Spirit is here. And I'm being transparent with you. Not so you say, oh, Pastor, you're so holy. No. I'm showing you that there are times when I'm not holy. But being with the Holy God helps me. And not just in a marriage relationship. It helps me with my children. I've had to apologize to my sons. My sons have had to apologize to me, apologize to Pam, apologize to each other. It's the, it's the culture of us being with God and not just being here with God. And please don't allow, don't think that your gifts and your gifts moving in the anointing is an affirmation that you're in right standing with God. 
excuse me, you understand? Don't think, oh, I'm good. This person loved me for that, and I did this wonderful act, and I used my gift in this, and I did that one. God must be pleased. No, God's not pleased. Gifts and callings come and flow even if you don't change. The gift will work because it is a gift. I can stand up here and preach, and I can be in all kinds of wrong, and the gift will still work. And because it's the word of God, lives will be changed. But my personal walk with him will not be at the highest level that it can be in. And that's for any of us and all of us. So conviction comes and says, hey, get that, get that right. Come close to God. And God says, and I'll even help you. I'll give you a strategy on how to fix it. That's conviction. Everybody say, that's conviction. Conviction always has a redeeming answer. It will fix things. Conviction. Now, condemnation. This equals accusations with hopelessness. In other words, that's when those voices come and say, oh, you did that? Oh, I don't even know why you bother praying. You know, you did this before. God don't want to hear you. That's not God. That's the accuser. Conviction is Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus says this in the book of Romans. Even if some don't believe, he abides faithful. He is, oh, man, he is always there. You can never get rid of him. He's always there. And to God that we would learn that habit that we could always be there for each other. In fact, for a second, just look at somebody around you. Say, I'm a Christian, and I want you to know I will always be there. You can't get rid of me. I learned this. Come on, I learned this from Jesus. Uh, Y'all got that? So is that God is holy? You must choose between to be with a holy God. Conviction is convincing with hope. I got convicted. He convicted me. God convicted me. I need to come and get this right. You know, and he doesn't leave me by myself to do it. He's, be, he's with me. So if I'm walking into a situation, Holy Spirit, help me, help me. I know. And even going back and forth, you know, you're with somebody and you get into an argument, let your mouth be, be moving. And let it be saying things like, Holy Spirit, help. Help me to love in this. Help me to love in this. Don't let your mouth be moving. You're saying, God, I just want you to strike them. Strike them down. Kill them now. Kill their family. Burn their house to the ground. You know, that whole Al Capone syndrome. You get that from Untouchables. Read, watch Untouchables. You see, God is holy. You must choose to be with the holy God. Conviction, convincing with hope. Condemnation, accusations with hopelessness. And don't, don't make people feel like it's hopeless. If you find somebody who's done something often wrong, don't make them feel like they have committed the unpardonable sin. No. Show them. Say, okay, okay, let's, let's, let's figure this out. People have, people have come to me. I have counseled over the years, 25, 28, almost 30 years, I have counseled people with some major things that have happened. And God has helped me to keep a straight face. He says, don't, don't, don't freak out. This is what he would tell me in my heart. They're saying, yeah, oh, I did this, I did that. Pastor, I know God hates me. And I go, and I'm, and, and in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, you did what? But, but, what I show is, okay, we can fix this. 
There are no problems. There are only solutions. We can fix this. And you only get to that place by God filling you with whatever you went through. God saying, we can fix this. We can fix it. I've got hope. There is a redeeming way. So conviction is what? Convincing with hope. Condemnation is what? Yeah. Now here's a test question. Where does conviction come from? God. God does the conviction. Conviction is good. Holy Spirit came to convict you, to convince you. And he's also bringing hope on how to fix it. Where does condemnation come from? The enemy and our past developed experienced emotions. And sometimes we condemn ourselves. We beat ourselves up. That's what happened with Peter. Peter's in the garden, denied Jesus three times. And he saw Jesus' face. And later on, Jesus said, hey, tell my disciples, after Jesus raised from the dead, tell my disciples and get Peter too, because I know Peter's going through it. And when he sees Peter warmed by the fire again, he says, all right, we're going to, we're going to fix this thing. You denied me three times, you're going to affirm me three times. First you said, I don't know the man. I told you I don't know the man. Get the bleep out of here. What the bleep, bleep, bleep? I told you I don't know him. Looked across, Jesus saw him. Now he's got guilt. Now he's got shame. Now he's got regret. Now he's got, con- he's got condemnation, hopelessness. But when Jesus meets him the, fr- the second time, he says three times again, do you love me? Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. Lord, do you? Jesus says, uh, Peter, do you love me? He said, like, Lord, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me that? I know I blew it. I know I miss it. But in my heart, I love you. He said, that's what I wanted to hear. Three times. It fixed those first three times. And he will always come, not to beat you up, but to get you, get you straight. We'll go over the next two points on, on Wednesday night. Hopefully you guys can come Wednesday night. I, uh, I went to Linda a little early. I didn't get to, so I apologize. Sometimes I get caught up. Pray for me. Don't judge me. Pray for me. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Bow your heads where you are. Say, say these words. Lord, I love you.